All right. Good deal. Uh, so we are in Luke chapter 6 uh, this morning. We continue the series, The Heart of God in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke chapter 6, Jesus continues teaching about the kingdom of God, how his kingdom is different from the world. Okay? And so this morning we're going to look at four brief parables. Parables are the word pictures, um, and, and they're, very, they're very often meant to be sort of funny. Uh, and so you could actually think of them almost as a first century meme. Um, and that may sound strange because most of them, when we read them, they won't seem funny to us, right? Uh, but you have to remember, first century, uh, this was a time when they had no TV, no internet, no photographs, right? This was comedy uh, for them. This is what they had. And so uh, I'm going to actually suggest that we sort of read them a little bit in that way. Some of them not as much as others, but the first three today, they were meant to be a little bit funny, okay? So beginning in verse 39, Luke chapter 6, verse 39, says, he also told them a parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? So take a moment and sort of imagine this, right? You've got one blind man leading another blind man towards a pit, that's the, the image of the meme, if you will. Okay? So now imagine this text is written underneath that image. Verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So take the image and put it together with the caption. You've got a blind man leading a blind man towards a pit. The first blind man is the teacher. The second is the disciple. Again, this is way before the internet, I get it. But that's supposed to be sort of funny. It's supposed to be funny because it's absurd, right? But there's a simple message. Jesus is saying to the crowds, stop following the wrong people. Specifically to the crowds listening to Jesus, the message was, stop following religious leaders who think they know where they're going, but are blind to the kingdom of God. And there's a deeper question that we might ask of ourselves, sort of a, a soul-searching question. Can I lead someone else where I have not been myself? Have I experienced the grace of God and the blessings of the kingdom in such a way that I can share that with someone else. And I can demonstrate it or lead them towards it. Would I even know that when I see it? That's sort of the soul-searching part of this. Jesus is saying we need a guide. 
We need a teacher. Even a blind person can learn to avoid a pit with the help of a guide, right? But he cannot do it alone. And that's what Jesus intends to teach us. Understanding the kingdom of God starts with recognizing that you cannot get there alone. We don't even know where there is. And we don't see the danger that we're in. To make it very simple, Jesus wants to challenge our false sense of direction. We think that we know where we're going, but we don't. Because apart from Him, we are lost. Verse 41. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? This is the second parable. Okay, I want you to take a moment and imagine this one as well, right? The picture is someone that is so focused on a speck of sawdust in someone else's eye that they fail to notice the log in their own eye. Now, I don't even know how you would draw that, right? But that's the image of the meme, and it's also intended to be funny. Now listen to the caption, verse 42. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This parable is very similar to the first. The issue here is still a form of blindness, right? Because you can't see with a log in your eye. But Jesus digs a little deeper. So if the, if the first question was this, can I lead someone else where I have not been myself? This then is the second question. Can I fix someone else's problem when I can't even fix myself? It's a funny way of saying, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. Look at yourself first. And if we're going to be honest, we actually do spend a lot of time looking at the faults of other people, right? I mean, I'm willing to admit that I do. I spend a lot of time thinking about what's wrong with that person, right? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with these people, right? We, we do this. Why? Because it makes us feel better about ourselves, doesn't it? To look at somebody else's problem... Even somebody that I don't know, you know, just watch the news and it's like, glad I'm not that bad, right? I'm glad I'm not like that person. But I think what Jesus is doing here is he's intending to challenge this false sense of pride 
that we get from looking at other people's failures. This false sense of feeling better about myself, right? And so he's saying, my biggest problem is not other people, it's who? It's me. I am my own worst enemy, but unless the Spirit of God holds up that mirror and shows me what I'm like, I'm never going to see it. Because you can't look in a mirror if you got a log in your eye, right? Okay, verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. This is the third picture. And again, there's a little note of humor, right? So imagine trying to pick grapes from a thorn bush. That's silly. But this one is it's starting to get more serious because now Jesus has his audience. He has all of us looking in the mirror, right? And all of Jesus' parables are, are slightly confusing on purpose. But it's obvious he's picking at us. And now I'm looking in the mirror, and what am I looking for? And Jesus basically says the answer is fruit. Look in the mirror, and do you see good fruit or bad fruit? Right? As I look in the mirror and I look at myself, do I see a good person looking back at me or a bad person, a flawed person. That's not an easy question to ask of yourself. And I think Jesus here anticipates the most common response to that question. What do you see in the mirror? Well, our natural instinct is to focus on behavior and to make a better effort, right? So I see some bad fruit. I'm going to try to replace that bad fruit with some good fruit. Problem solved, right? If we don't like what we see in the mirror, we change clothes or we put on makeup to cover the blemishes. We change our hairstyle. But that doesn't work in this case. Because what Jesus is saying is this fruit that we're looking for is evidence, not effort. It's evidence, not effort. It's evidence of something that we don't actually have the power to change. A tree can't change what type of tree it is, right? And I've said this a million times, but if I, if I go outside, right behind the church building, there are several pine trees. And if I take a bucket of apples and I go outside and I somehow tie or attach those apples to the pine tree, does it make it an apple tree? 
No. That's, that's silly. And that's the image of this meme, if there was one, like putting apples on a pine tree. Okay, verse 45, here's the caption. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. In other words, Jesus is saying, look deeper than the surface. He's challenging our false sense of righteousness. My problem is not that I sometimes make mistakes and I need to stop making those mistakes and make better choices, right? Just, or put on a little makeup on the outside to cover over the mistakes, right? No, he's saying my problem is actually a corrupted heart. And I can't change my own heart. Truth be told, I'm worse than I think I am. And so are you. Not easy to hear, I know. Let's keep reading. Verse 46. Why do you call me? This is Jesus speaking again, just to remind you. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Notice Jesus does not say, why do some of you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He says this to the entire crowd. And if you go back to the beginning of Luke 6, it actually, he's talking, it says, to his disciples. So Jesus looks at his disciples and everyone else, and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to do? In other words, he's saying to the entire crowd, you're worse than you think you are. He's saying to the entire crowd, you have a false sense of direction. You have a false sense of pride. You have a false sense of your own righteousness. Exactly how bad are you? I'll tell you. You're the kind of people who honor me with your words, but not with your actions. And it's worthless. Your religion is worthless. Verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke it, immediately it fell, 
and the ruin of that house was great. This is the final parable, and it's really not funny at all. I couldn't find anything humorous about it anyways. I mean, it's pretty serious, right? And it's really an example of one thing, wasted effort. Wasted effort and wasted resources. What's the point of this final parable? Okay, so so far Jesus has challenged our false sense of direction that we think we know where we're going and what we're doing, even though we're blind. Our false sense of pride, right? We look at other people and we think we're doing a better job than them and we feel better about ourselves. Our false sense of righteousness, right? That we, we tend to think we can look in the mirror and see good things and say, oh, I'm a pretty good person. And now he challenges our false sense of security. That's what this final parable is about. It's about security. Jesus is saying, if we refuse to obey him, then we will have no safety from the coming storm. If you want security, Jesus says, then you better hear and do what I'm commanding you to do. Now again, most people hear this and they automatically assume that Jesus is talking about our behavior. And you've missed the point. If that's where your head goes, if you hear me say, hear and do what Jesus commands, and you think to yourself, I can do that, I can do those things, I can do the things that Jesus wants me to do, then you've actually completely missed the point. Think more carefully about this parable. You have two men, each building a house. Both of them provide pretty much exactly the same amount of effort. And if you're walking by these two houses on the street, from the outside, each house looks the same. There's no obvious difference between the two houses. What was the only difference between those houses? The foundation. Something underneath the surface, right? Because it says the man had to dig down into the ground to lay the foundation. I mean, when you pass through a neighborhood, you, you don't typically see the foundation of the house, right? The first man dug deep and laid his foundation on what? The rock. Come on now. <laughs> In other words, the difference was not his effort at all. The difference was the rock upon which his effort was built. Do you see that? It's not his effort that makes the difference. It is the effort upon which 
or the, the rock upon which his effort was built. So what then is Jesus actually telling us to do? What is it he's saying, hear and obey me if you want to live? What's he been saying throughout the entire Gospel of Luke and in all four of the Gospels combined? What is the one command that Jesus gives more often than any other? Repent and believe. Not go out there and get your act together and be a better person, right? What's that? That's putting apples on a pine tree. He's actually saying, I want you to turn and trust. I want you to repent and believe. I want you to trust in something outside of yourself. I want you to build your house upon something that is solid. Rest in that. Specifically, he's talking about himself, right? His righteousness, his effort, his resources. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, David writes. And Jesus is presenting himself as the rock. He's commanding us to stop wasting our efforts on self-discovery and self-righteousness, which are worthless alternatives to the kingdom of God. And I want you to think about those two alternatives, which I'm describing as self-discovery and self-righteousness. Okay? The path of self-discovery says to us, be whoever you want to be. Decide who you want to be and go be that. The second path, the path of self-righteousness says to us, be what everyone else expects you to be. The first path says, be a free spirit. Live life how you want to live it. The second path says, be a good citizen. Be what the world expects you to be, right? And there are countless experts out there in, in these alternative lifestyles. There are experts on self-discovery. There are experts on self-righteousness, many of them in the church. Books, podcasts, videos, there's an endless supply of content telling you how to have a better life. Do this, don't do that. Eat this, don't eat that. Buy this, don't buy that, right? And we spend our time and our efforts and our money on whatever the next big thing is that we believe is going to make us happy. And Jesus says to us, do you understand that all of that is wasted? It will fall to ruin. It will be swept away. Death comes for us all, and after that, the judgment. He says elsewhere, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Self-discovery and self-righteousness, you know they're really both the same thing. I mean, we fight battles over this stuff, right? 
Just let me live the way I want to live. No, you have to be like everybody else, right? We fight over this stuff. And, and the reality is what the Scriptures say to both sides of that argument, it's both rooted in self-dependence. Whether you're choosing your own identity or whether you're trying to follow the identity that's expected of you, it's still rooted in self-dependence. Which is the point the Bible is making. doesn't matter which path you choose. None of it matters without Christ. You're finished before you started because you don't have a foundation upon which to build. And so Jesus says to us, dig deep. Look in the mirror. What do you see? And forget the prayer that you prayed 20 years ago or the aisle that you walked. Because most often, even that was an act of self-dependence, not an act of dependence on God. And so I'm, I'm asking you today, put that aside. I'm asking you today, are you today... October 29th, 2023 at 11.25 and 53 seconds, okay? Are you right now living in dependence upon the God who created you? Forget the past. Don't worry about the future. Sufficient for today is that question, are you today living in dependence upon the God who created you? Are you seeking first His righteousness and His kingdom? Is your house right now built upon the rock? You understand, Jesus wants us to have the kind of relationship with God that He has with His Father. That's what this is all about. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pounding you right now with, with a, you know, guilt or shame. Jesus is inviting you into something that's better, that will stand the test of time and temptation and suffering. And so let's pray together and ask for His help. Gracious Father, We thank you for this vision of the kingdom that Jesus offers us.